kind of construed it, right? And because of that, it's kind of led to some dark places. And so I want to focus on loneliness. Um, and that's where um, I love this picture that picture yourself at a beach, right? And there's some currents going on. So how many of us have ever gotten to go to the beach before? It's a good time. So basically what happens is you'll go into the beach, you'll go into the water, you'll start playing or just chilling. And then because of the winds or because of the tide, you'll be playing and maybe 30 minutes goes by. And then you're like, oh man, I want to get out, maybe get, some, get a drink. And you realize, oh, our stuff is like way down there. And it's like, oh my gosh, we got to like get out and walk like 100 yards back to our spot. And basically you drifted without even knowing it. And loneliness has done that to us. Without even recognizing it in this world, in this society, especially in 2023, if we're not intentional, loneliness can just automatically happen. And I was actually looking at it, um, different forms of loneliness where we might find ourselves. Um, so there is new situation. Maybe you're new to a city, you're new to a school, and you really don't know anybody. You can be lonely in that way. I am different loneliness being, uh, I, I may just be different than everybody else. I may not look the same, I may not think the same, act the same. I'm just different and, and no one wants to be my friend. You could have no sweetheart. Maybe you just got out of a breakup and that was the really the only close person you were doing life with and now that that's gone, it's really hard for you to connect with anybody else. It could be no time for me loneliness where you're just spread too thin. You're just going, 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 doing, doing, doing and you haven't had that ability or that time to actually dive into a friendship and grow deep with each other. Untrustworthy friends, loneliness. So that could be Maybe there's some hurts. Someone hurt you when you tried to put your trust in them or put um, some reliance on them and then they either cut you out or there was some drama, more like a, a fight maybe, and now you're lonely because you don't wanna put that trust in someone else because of what you've experienced. So there's so many different types of loneliness. And when I think about just you know social media, I think about Netflix, I think about just this competition world of, of trying to just work hard in school to do good in sports or music or art, and we just get caught up in this river, this caught up in this just society way, and then before we recognize it, we've just drifted into loneliness without even trying. And that's unfortunately outside of the church and in the church as well. Um, and so I wanted to share some stats that they released. They said that in the United States, right now in 2023, 60% of people would consider themselves lonely. 60%, more than half. So more than half of the people we come across would consider themselves lonely. They said that the demographic, the age group of 18 to 22, kind of that Gen Z start, is the loneliest generation of all time. And it's funny because with social media, we're so connected, but yet we're so lonely. And they said that loneliness, that disease, it's, it's the similar disease as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. 15 cigarettes a day. And just the, the impact, the effect that that can have on you long-term by not having friends is, it can lead to death, essentially. And so we think about that and that just, it, it hurts my heart because I'm just so thankful for Jesus and the model that he gave a friendship and the people we've gotten to be surrounded by. And, and I, I, I wouldn't want life any other way. And so I think about other reasons that cause people to, to become lonely is they look for jobs and not for people. They look for houses with big back decks rather than a front porch. They would rather gather around to watch sports or a movie rather than around a campfire to talk. And all of these things, and I'm guilty of it, we're guilty of it. 
And I think this is a good conviction and reminder for us as well. Um, and so, and like those in, in itself are not necessarily bad, but when it's done repeatedly, I think about even in church, maybe you're deciding, oh, you want to sleep in and just attend the 11 a.m. service and book it right after, or maybe you just don't want to serve, you don't want to take that step of, of uncomfortability. Um, and, and, and then those things may not be bad, but over time, when it starts to become a habit or routine, that again can lead to loneliness. Um, and so, all that going to say, loneliness is real. Loneliness is happening. Loneliness can happen to us if we're not intentional about it. Uh, but I'm really encouraged because um, even in this, we see the greatest example of a friend, and that's being Jesus. Yeah. I feel bad because I feel like I gave Eric all the bad news to share today. Yeah. Negative Nancy. <laughs> Sorry. But we have some good news because there is hope. Um, we have Jesus. He's the best example of friendship. He is the master of friendship. And so I want to take us back. We've all um, probably heard this before, but I want us to look at friendship, I'm sorry, the gospel through the lens of friendship so that we can get a picture of what this really means. What does covenant friendship really mean? So I'm going to take us all the way back to the beginning in Genesis. When God created the world, he looked at everything and he said it was good. Every day that he created, it was good. And then we get to Genesis 2 and... He looks at his creation and he looks at Adam, or Adam, sorry, he looks at Adam and he says, this is not good, that man is alone. Can you imagine? I just picture myself in that moment, maybe I'm like an animal in creation, and I've heard God say things are good all week, and then all of a sudden I hear the rain words of something seems not right. And so um, the truth is, is that since the beginning, God created us for people. He created us for relationship, and um, that means to be fully known you might be in the room tonight thinking, why do I care so much about having friends? Why do I hate the feeling of loneliness? That's because that's how God designed us. Yeah. We were meant for people. Um, but because of sin, we lost what it meant to be fully known and fully loved. And if you read the Old Testament, you see there is a constant search for someone to come back and make it right again. Um, so then we have Jesus. He enters the picture, the hope of uh, friendship, the master of friendship, and he becomes lonely for us. Picture this, like Jesus is with God, and he comes down, and he is lonely for us. Whoa. <laughs> uh, he did this, and he reversed the sin, or the curse of sin and loneliness. And not only did Jesus die and resurrect, but he left us with the Holy Spirit, his presence, and a lifeline, or a lifeline of presence in the world of loneliness. So eternally speaking, we wrap this all together. We are to be connected with God forever. Like, that is the end. So it started with relationship. Now it's the ending is relationship. So if we were to, it, the gospel isn't just a reflection of friendship. It is friendship. Like, the design is friendship. And so if we were to, like, take a look at the gospel, and if we were to, like, kind of makeshift it and, and put it into these words, I think this might be on your own standout, um, we might say that Jesus knows you fully and loves you he sees through everything. He sees the hurts, the pains. He sees the sin, the shortcomings, and he still chooses you. And here at Nissan, we talk all the time about um, becoming um, more like Jesus and beholding him and practicing the way. And so really, if we're to look at this, we could say that to be more like Jesus actually means to become more and more like a friend. So tonight we're going to throw around this word called friendship, and we... Um, we don't want to throw it around just to say it, and just because you came to a class on friendship, we're not using it to fill space. 
um, we want to bring meaning back to the name or back to the word friendship. We want to reclaim what the word friendship really means. I mean, think about it. We have Facebook right now and people are like send friend requests. Like that is where we're at when we say the word friend. So we want to bring reclaim that new covenant, what Jesus did when he came to bring relationship with us. That is why we're adding covenant to the front of the word friendship because we want to reclaim God's design for friendship. So we're about to dive in. Friendship, we just want to, I'm just going to prepare you guys. Friendship is not always easy. We're going to encounter some real struggles. There's going to be a lot of stuff that um, we're going to have to deal with in friendship, but I promise you it is worth the work, and we're going to talk about some of those things tonight. Um, we're going to probably get pretty practical. We do have some spiritual points, but we are going to get practical, and I want to remind you that like, even in the practical, God wants to do something really profound. And so tonight, just open your hearts and, and ask God that he would do something new, whether you're the person in the room who's really proud or the person who's just feeling sad about this topic. God wants to revive something in you tonight. And I think, too, I, I noticed the template, too. So did you guys get the first point? Yeah, sorry. just want to make sure we're, we're going along with it. connecting with God forever. That's the first one. Notice oh, the first oh, one is oh, in a lonely pattern, pattern of this world. <laughs> Sorry, Courtney put together the template for us and we gave her our notes. So, yes, surprising like these things alone doesn't make you a bad friend or even lonely, but the repeated into habit without even knowing it, you can find yourself moving into the lonely pattern of this world. So think about that current, that river of loneliness. We just start to drift in that pattern. Um, second one, to be connected with God forever. Um, and then Jesus knows you fully and loves you anyway. I think that's where we're at so far. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to echo too, on that note of, of friendship and that covenant friend idea. Oh yeah. We got that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I walked in and followed you guys. I'm so thankful that Arden's here. You go, girl. Your dad's really cool. Uh, also, so going back to covenant friendship, so I think about kind of echoing what she said about Facebook friends. I feel like nowadays, as long as someone you know makes you laugh or you guys hit it off or you guys have something in common, sports, hobbies, whatever, that would consider them a friend. And I don't, I don't disagree. I think that's great. But when we dig in, bless you. Uh, some of my friends sneeze twice, so I was like waiting for a second. Um, but I think about, uh, if you guys look at the word phileo, so think about Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, that word phileo is, is a, a deeper root of love. It is like, to, as we said, to be fully known and fully loved. It's a deeper friendship. And that's where, when we say covenant friend, it's someone that, picture when Jesus was washing his disciples' feet, and he was getting in between the toes, underneath the toenails, how can we do that with each other's hearts? How can we know each other so well that we know each other's imperfections, addictions, um, strengths, weaknesses so well that when we're doing life together, we are living out that phileo kind of love. And that, in my mind, is that covenant friendship that you guys are committed to walking together through those ups and downs in a deeper way that this world would generally say, ah, oh, man, like that's, that's too close of a friendship. Really, that's what we're called to. Yeah. Um, I think about Jesus and the disciples for three years, every day, every night together, around that campfire, just growing together. I'm like, that is filet of love. Like, that is deep brotherly love, covenant friendship. Wow. And even from the non-spiritual uh, side of this, this is one story that I love sharing. Um, 
that Harvard did over 100 years. They wanted to see what is that key to happiness? What is that key to life, that key to joy, that, 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 that thing that we all long for as human beings? And over 100 years, multiple generations, multiple income levels, they surveyed thousands of people and they figured out that it wasn't money, it wasn't success, it wasn't pleasure, it wasn't possessions, it wasn't looks, it wasn't strength, it was relationships. How do you guys feel about the relationships you have in your life? That is a big determining factor of a healthy, prosperous lifestyle. So it's funny to me that what scripture screams of relationship and friendship, Harvard figured that out too. And so that's where I get really excited in how do we dive into these friendships and relationships? Vulnerability. So the first um, topic that we're going to talk about is vulnerability, and we're going to talk more specifically on creating a habit of confession uh, with our friendships. So buckle up, because this is probably one of our heavier, uh, more vulnerable topics. Um, I'm going to start with just sharing my own uh, personal walk with vulnerability and confession. I would say this is something that the Lord has been working in me specifically over the last few years. Um, when I was, I'm going to take you back to my junior year of college, it was summertime, I was ready for an internship, I was trying to fill my resume out, and everybody who's been to college knows that it's good to have a little bit of experience before you get into a job, it helps, so I was really hyped up when I got, or landed an internship um, at a nonprofit in Tulsa, and it was both ministry and nonprofit focused, so I was like, this is my sweet spot, I'm so excited. Uh, so I show up to this internship. There were a couple other girls who were doing it with me, and our bosses handed us this book. Um, and it, I did not know this at the time, but it was a book very heavily uh, focused on vulnerability. So, so um, as I was reading this book with the girls, I uh, began to feel very challenged. <laughs> I started reading it and realizing wow, this is not something I am practicing in my life. I'm not vulnerable, and I'm also not confessing, not actively confessing with others. So every week we would sit together um, during this internship. We'd go to a coffee shop, get away, and we would start to talk about what we were reading in the book. And I'll never forget uh, being in that circle and feeling so much fear to share what was really going on in my life. I think a lot of my life I was living with a pride, feeling like people can't really know what's going on. And I was very afraid to share that with um, this group of girls that I had been doing um, life with that summer. But by the grace of God, uh, he was speaking to me, and we were able to share and grow through a lot of growing pains, share some of the, some of the things that I had been dealing with and that had been stuck in my heart that summer. And so going back to school my senior year of college, I was like, I am so ready. Like, I experienced something this summer that I, I never want to not practice this in my life. Like, it has made such a difference. Like, brought so much freedom. And so going into my senior year, I was like, I'm ready to practice, practice this with the girls I really do life with. Like, I was just doing it with these girls in this internship, but now it was, like, the real deal. Like, yeah. I was stepping in and going to be talking to girls about um, things that I had been walking in. But I was committed because I knew that it had changed my summer, changed my life that summer. So going back into school, my senior year was absolutely incredible. It was really difficult, I'm not gonna lie. It's not easy to tell people the dirt in your life sometimes. You know, it's hard to talk about those things. Um, but I came to a place where I just continually practiced it, even when I failed or even when I didn't say enough or probably really expressed what I was fully walking through. I continued, I fell, I got back up and I continued to practice it and it changed the way my friendships worked. I mean, I can't say enough how much it impacted my friendships. And so 
Um, I leave school, <laughs> sorry, this is a long-winded story, but I leave school and um, now I'm an adult. Now I've got to figure out what does vulnerability and confession look like as an adult outside of school where I'm constantly surrounded by friends all the time. And so um, Eric and I moved to Oklahoma City and we happened to go to a church called New Song. <laughs> and um, we, you know, New Song starts talking about um, doing the Being Transformed journals. They start talking about getting in a core group. And so I'm like, let's do it. I want to get into a core group. So I get into this core group. And little did I know, if you guys know what core group is, you walk through the word core, C-O-R-E, and the first letter, if you can guess what it stands for, is confession. So once again, the Lord confronts me with confession and reminding me the importance to have that be a part of my friendships in my life. And so I'm like, okay, Lord, here we go. I ended up getting a core group with two other girls from the church, and it was so wild because, um, you know, they said, who wants to go first? Of course, I waited to be the very last person to go because God is still working on me in this area. And they share, and they are, you know, they're not proud of their sin, but they share without any fear. Like, you can tell that they're comfortable enough to share because they know it's going to make an impact on their life. So they go around, they share, and then it gets to me, and I just begin to weep. And I'm not weeping because what I'm telling them is something that is, like, really that bad. But I'm weeping because I, it took so much for me to share what I needed to share. I was living in so much fear. And so I say all of that to say is that confession, I feel like, is a journey. And it's it's not always going to be easy, but it's something that must be practiced in our friendships. And we'll get into the why it must be practiced. But Eric, I was going to let you share um, for the guys in the room uh, what vulnerability has looked like for you. Yeah. Um, and at least for me, also, so this point, this next point is it's well, easy. Oh, we're not? Okay, cool. Make sure, make sure we're on the same page. Um, so vulnerability for me, like I, my experience on St. Croix, growing up in the Caribbean, it was very diverse in terms of ethnicities, backgrounds, traditions, religions. And so I was, I got the full experience of everything. Those good vibes, believe what you want to believe, all good, good vibes. So I come to Edmond and um, I give my life to Christ my, in August of 2012. Um, and how many of us know we're a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come, mm -hmm. praise God for new life. Mm -hmm. But the problem was for me, my struggle was pornography. It was, it was um, just looking at things I shouldn't look at, acting on them, unhealthy relationships. And how many of us know that many times God is a God of process. He wants, to, he wants you to work through some things in your life. And so although I was a new creation, now I had to go through this addiction. Mm -hmm. And how do I... How do I find victory in this? That is truly every man's battle, every person's battle. And so um, my youth pastor, he was always challenging us, you know, to have those guys around you to help build you up, lift you up, challenge you, encourage you, have those covenant friends. And he always said that, you know, Jesus, he preached to the thousands of people, but he walked with the few. He had those 12 core guys that he did life with. And of those 12, he had three, Peter, James, and John. And so that was his question for us was, who is that Peter, James, and John in your life? Who are those three that know you so well that when it comes to an addiction like that, you guys can walk together in that? And so vulnerability for me was these three guys in high school, when, you know, we were going to youth together, we were hanging out all the time, trying to be encouraging to each other, getting the word together. And it was a good, healthy, solid friendship for high school, um, but never really got to the roots. Um, and so when I go to college, uh, I had a, a new season, a new three guys, a mentor that, uh, that I was walking with. And it's one of those that vulnerability, 
it's like, you know, sin can take you further than you want to go, make you pay more than you want to pay. So it's like, we can either talk about it or we can be about it. Are we actually going to invite the Lord in? I love this quote that says, God won't move in the areas that you don't give him access to. Are you giving him, giving him access to these areas? And we look at James 5.16 that says, you know, we confess our sins to the Lord. We are forgiven, but it's not until we confess it to one another that we are healed. And so when I think about that and think about, you know, finding that healing, confessing it to those around you, that's where it starts. And so my guys in college, Travis, Colin, um, and those are probably the main two. And then there's a few others spread in there. But we're like, if we're actually serious about wanting to live a life that's worth honoring to the Lord in purity, that we, we can be the husbands that we've been called to be, the fathers we've been called to be, we got to get serious about this. And so we got covenant eyes on our phone. It's basically a different um, uh, internet uh, like browser that tracks everything you look at. So there's accountability because we could see what each other was looking at. We walked through the Conquer series. It's like a disc, 10 episode, uh, disc DVD set about the addiction from a scientific standpoint, mental, emotional, and spiritual to help combat um, that lifestyle that we've been addicted to and living in. So basically all that going to say took a lot of vulnerability. <laughs> To the point that even even to the point where we didn't want to keep anything hidden and because we all lived together, we decided no locked doors, no shut doors. Everything was in the open, in the light, nothing hidden. So that if you want in my mind, when you talk about being about it, that's being about it. There was we took the doors off the hinges. So literally it's like good luck, man. You can't hide anything. And it's like it's like one of those things of like we were serious about it. And in that, being able to do that with each other and know each other's strengths, each other's weaknesses, those moments of temptation, being able to be offensive rather than defensive, that in my mind, we were seeing healing, we were seeing victory, we were getting to a place where we were healthy enough to pursue a woman of God and be able to lead them in the right way. Were we perfect? Absolutely not. We were always gonna be broken and flawed, but we were able to see God move in such a miraculous way that we could share that testimony now being married four years in. Um, so, uh, Okay, um, but, and now to this day, as she mentioned, the core group. So those guys are back in college, and we still keep up with each other, try to talk on the phone once a month, go and see each other throughout the year, but I also know that we can't just rely on those friendships from way back when. Now, I know you mentioned the high school friendships. If they're here in Oklahoma City, bro, keep going after that. If you still get that time to talk to them and see them if they're on other locations, go for it. But I also love the idea of whenever we are in a different season or a new season, finding those new people as well. Um, because my core group now, we still get to dive in deep about what is my pride? What am I prideful about? Where am I being bitter? Where am I comparing myself? Where am I focusing on competition? Where am I fearing failure? Where am I seeking man's approval? What about our finances? Where am I being stubborn? Where am I being selfish? Where am I, um, where am I being hurt? Um, where am I being passive? All of these things, it's like you really don't talk about this with your normal typical friendship but this is where it, it actually affects who we are um and so yeah that's kind of my my testimony on vulnerability yeah so good so i want to go back to what we said in the beginning jesus knows you fully and loves you anyway yeah. uh, i think this is on y'all's handout it says it's easy to believe that hiding keeps us safe but what hiding really does is keep us from being loved Think about it. I think many of us in this room, it's really easy to be like, oh, well, if I don't say anything, like, I'm in a safe place, they're in a safe place, we don't gotta go there, the friendship's good, we don't have to worry about any conflict. 
but it's keeping you from the joy of being loved anyway. I love that. How can we celebrate and rejoice about the grace that God has given us if we can't even first acknowledge it, acknowledge why we need that? So the enemy wants us to hide. He wants to keep us away from confession. I feel like a big part of my journey in confession has just been a pride. I really taking, ripping away the pride and letting people in. So I want to do something that might feel a little weird. Um, but the truth is, is that we are all sinners. And I know you, what you guys are thinking. Like, I'm forgiven. Yes, you are forgiven. Yeah. But for a second, uh, lean in with me. I want us to say, I am a sinner. I am a sinner. <laughs> all right. Now look at your neighbor and say, I am a sinner. I am a sinner. Okay, now that we're all on the same page. <laughs> um, this means that we don't have anything to hide. We're all on the same playing field. First John 1 John 1.8 says, If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. I don't know about y'all, but I want to live in the truth. So what does the word say? So now we get, we're like, okay, we have to confess. We need to confess with our brothers. But what does that really look like? So I want to start with the word, James 5.16. Um, Eric already mentioned this earlier, but it says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Ephesians 4.25, Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, um, for we are all parts of the same body. So as we can see, the word lays out that confession is not only personal between us and God, but it's meant for others. We're meant to do that together. Um, so how do we get vulnerable? Like, what does that really look like? Well, first, I think this is in your all's handout. Uh, vulnerability takes context or needs context, space, the right environment. It's going to require some boundaries, which means you're not going to be um, going around being vulnerable with every single person you meet. Um, you may get hurt if you do that. You want to be careful and, um, and keep those boundaries. I think about, I was telling Eric, um, what's that Oprah skit? It's like, and you get a car, and you get a car, <laughs> and you get a car. We don't want to be that same way with vulnerability, right? We want to um, find the few that we can be vulnerable with, but here's the deal. It must be practiced regularly. It is something that we must incorporate into our friendship. So um, the book that we read, um, it gave a great table, and I think this is in y'all's notes. It gave um, a great example. Oh, wait. Were you guys meeting? Was it one of the, I know, did we skip one? Yeah, the vulnerability. Vulnerability needs context. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Thanks for um, okay, so the book that we're, we read um, gave some good examples um, of sharing versus vulnerability. And I wanted to put this in here because I feel like um, many of us at certain points in our life have found ourselves sharing instead of really actually being vulnerable and saying, calling it what it is. I'm going to just put it out there that you're not always going to be able to be vulnerable in every situation, right? You may not have the time to express that uh, or the context or the space. And so I'm saying this to just really give you, or we're saying this to just give you an example, knowing that not in every situation will you be able to get vulnerable super fast if I need that space. So sharing is updating somebody about your life, like telling them about your life, what you're up to. Let's look at vulnerability as letting somebody into yeah. our life. Like that's the distinction here. So Eric, would you want to yeah. notice the difference? So I think about just like in a one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone, a covenant friend, or even in a core group, small group, an example of saying for uh, sharing, you would say, oh man, just like pray for me because I'm really struggling in my marriage. And like, that's good. We can pray for that. That's what we want to see. But that's just sharing. It's like, that's what she just said. It's like, you're just letting them know what's going on. How do you pull them into what's going on? Vulnerability would say, man, our shouting woke up the kids last night and one of us threw something at each other. Detail. Like, get, that's like, 
you are letting them into everything that's going on. And so you can say, what did you throw? Why did you throw it? You know, what were you shouting about? It opens up more questions to dive, to dive deeper to get to the root of what's causing that strife. And so it's good to be praying like, God, just put your hand over their marriage. God, just move, intervene. In your name we pray, amen. But it's like, yeah. how can we go further? How can we actually find healing in that? And so saying that, shouting, waking up the kids, and last night somebody threw something, that just, that brings people in. Another example is, I'm really just stressed out at work or at school right now. That's letting someone know what's going on. Being vulnerable would say, honestly, I'm, I'm taking pills to sleep because otherwise I can't settle down. Mm. I'm like, okay, that's real. That's, that's more of what we want to hear. Sharon, I'm struggling with, my, with passion in my walk with God. A vulnerability would say, man, ever since I read this book, I'm starting to rethink this whole faith thing, and, and maybe it's all fiction. It's like, hmm, like what, what book? What did they say? What questions do you have? Um, another example, sharing would say, my friend and I are just going through a rough patch right now. Vulnerability would say, I've spent a lot of time gossiping about my dear friend behind his back. And it's like, what are you saying? So I think all of these examples, like that's where it's like, how can, this is what a covenant friendship looks like, is being vulnerable and bringing them in to that space. So I think um, on the, okay. Um, so I was just going to throw in there too, is there's just like that small distinction between the two. And sharing is not bad. I don't want you guys to leave and think, I can never share. If I'm ever in a room with Ashley and Eric, I can never share anything with them. That is not the case. Like we just want to encourage you to really consider how are you telling, when you're confessing to that person, how are you framing it? Are you really allowing yourself to be loved anyways? Or are you choosing to share because it's safer and they don't really have to be let in? So some groups, um, we've kind of touched on this, but some groups that we could consider for vulnerability, and this will look different for everyone, but maybe that's a core group, it could be a small group, um, a regularly scheduled call or meet up with your friends. I have a friend I call in Tulsa and we try to call regularly to talk about stuff like this. Um, it might even be a mentor, and I say a mentor because I think it's important, um, it's an important space and a safe space when you're with a mentor to learn even what vulnerability looks like. It helps you practice it, and then they can also encourage you to go out and do that with um, your covenant friends. So I included that because I do think it's about you. So now that we talk about sharing and, and confession, there's also this question of like, okay, but like what really needs to be discussed when we talk about sin? So the first point that I wanted to hit was share temptation. Temptation isn't sin, but um, sharing it can help you resist sin. It, 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 um, it keeps the sin from um, strengthening. And then um, not only should we share temptation, but we should share our sins quickly. When we read this book, he talked about how he had the 24-hour rule. And if he, he knew if he didn't share a sin within 24 hours, he would probably never talk to somebody about it. So that looks different for everyone. That may not be the same for you, but don't let it fester. Don't let yeah. it spread to other areas of your life. Share it quickly. And then confess sin honestly. And that just goes back to what we just talked about, sharing versus vulnerability. How are we letting people in? So on your handouts, um, the next one, the question we have for you really is, are you practicing confession and vulnerability, or are you sharing because it feels like the safer option? And then just to sit on this, just to think about what are you afraid of? What's holding you back from a life of confession and vulnerability? Yeah. Is it fear of man? Is it shame? Maybe you're disappointed that you've slipped multiple times. Do you have a mask to keep and a reputation to uphold? Um, are you afraid of what people might think if they really knew what was going on? Just mm -hmm. to sit on. Yeah. 
And I think, like, too, just like these these types of friendships. When we talk about, so I know you guys just came in. So we were talking about earlier society, the United States, just this world that this there's like a river of loneliness that we we society we just end up in with life, whether that was competition, comparison, social media, just entertainment, or just having to work for things and and earn whatever you're trying to go after. And before we know it, we've gotten to a lonely place without even recognizing it. Um, and so this concept of covenant friendship, to me, it's rare. You're, you're not going to find this type of friendship very often in other people. And so I, I don't want you guys, if you do have these types of friendships, praise God. If you don't, don't be discouraged at like, oh man, like where do I find these types of people? That takes time and it takes risk, right? You're going to, it's one of my favorite quotes is growth begins where your comfort zone ends. You're going to have to get uncomfortable and take that risk and try to have some kind of conversation like that. Like, obviously, when you first have a potential friend, it's similar interests, sports, you know, hobbies, you know, art, music, whatever. You may have a, just a good vibe going, like you, you guys make each other laugh or you guys think each other's pretty cool. And that's a good start. But always try to be a little bit more aware. Like in the back of your mind, think about what is their character? What, are, what is their goals? What are they going after? Are they wanting to grow in their faith? Is their faith inspiring you in your walk with Christ? That is something that I was wanting to look for in those covenant friends. And when I was able to, to be blessed and find those covenant friends, that's when we were able to start having these vulnerable conversations. And so don't try to just go all out from the get-go because I, I want to be realistic. I want to be practical with you guys. Um, and so just wanted to add that tidbit in there. Um, so going into honesty. So this is to the point where you have those friends, you have those covenant friends that you're doing life with, you're being vulnerable, you guys are growing, you're, be, you're being molded and refined into that image of Christ that we've been called to be. And so honesty, I want to look at it in two different ways. So encouragement, building up the good um, in friendship, and then rebuke, tearing down the bad, calling out what isn't healthy. And we see Jesus multiple times. He's out with his disciples. He's encouraging them. He's speaking into them speaking life, calling them up, um, but we also see him calling them out, right? Insecurities, sin, behaviors. So I think about an example of Peter, right? He literally tells Peter, on this rock, you will build my church. And then in the same chapter, he's saying, get behind me, Satan, stay away from me. I'm like, That's, that'd be a lot. Those are really two different, two different um, ways of being honest, right? And, but what I love about when we think about Jesus walking with Peter every day, every night for three years, Peter knew Jesus' heart. He wasn't coming at him in a way that was attacking or judgmental or, or, or gossipy or dividing. He was wanting to come at it from a healthy place, and Peter knew that. Um, and so that's what I think one of the points is. Jesus had been walking with Peter every day, every night for years. They knew each other's hearts, giving them permission, access to be honest in a way that would be perceived well and healthily. And so that's what I get so excited about is, how many times in our marriage we're always trying to say on the encouragement side, thank you. Like there are so many moments where you can make someone's week, someone's even year by just being an encouragement to them. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for being this. I think of other examples. I'm inspired or encouraged by you when you do this. I'm grateful to have you as a friend, especially when you blank. It's a joy to see the Lord working in and through you when blank. And to be able to receive that, that is, it's, it's literally adding building blocks to a life that's worth living. Like, we don't do it for the selfishness. We don't do it for the glory. But encouragement is a big piece 
in friendship. So that's the first half of honesty, being able to recognize and call those things out when you see them. Can I add to that too? Yeah. Um, I feel like many of us have probably been in this space where we think of an encouraging word, but we don't always say it. Like mm. we see someone and we see God doing something really beautiful in their life, um, and we don't say it to them. So I just want to encourage you, when those thoughts come to you and you have that space to tell them, tell them. It may feel kind of awkward, but tell them. You never know, like he said, what building block it will add to their life. And I love that, too, because when that's the focus and you're building that relationship, this is if I'd write this quote down if it's not. Yes, it's in there. Okay, so this quote in my mind, it just it speaks volumes to if you want a healthy covenant friendship when it comes to honesty. It says build the bridge of covenant friendship first so deeply and firm that it will be able to withstand the weight of truth and honesty. So a lot of times I feel like friendships end because of a fight or an argument or something is said and, it, and people get defensive and, and they start arguing and they start having a falling out and it's because they didn't have a bridge that was built deep and firm enough to be able to withstand that. And that in my mind is a huge piece going into rebuke, calling out and challenging each other um, to where whenever you have a conversation and somebody gives you an incur or a challenge or calling you out and calling you up, you can receive it well. So I think about two examples, two stories for me personally. So my best friend, Travis from OSU, um, you know, we were living together, walking together, wanting to live out this covenant friendship. And he had met with a mentor that gave him a challenge in his next conversations with his best friends to say, I give you permission right now to ask me anything. I give you permission right now to tell me something you've noticed that you may not want to tell me. Basically creating that safe space in that environment for something real raw to be shared. And so he asked me that question and I was like, man, man, what is something that I haven't told you that, that I want to? And something that I had noticed about Travis over the two or three years we've been doing life together was he was kind of the alpha of conversations. Like he was like the, the stud muffin, the guy that wants to lead conversations and pour into people and pray for them which is awesome, but sometimes when that's what you expect yourself to be, if he wasn't, if he didn't have that opportunity in that moment, he would just kind of disengage and go somewhere else where he could be that. So we'd be with friends at an event and we're all hanging out and he's kind of the focus of the conversation, but then when someone else gets the focus, he would just kind of leave. And so I noticed that and I was like, man, Travis, like this is honestly, I haven't really thought of it too much, but I have noticed this, that you do this whenever um, you're not the focus of the conversation and bro it just it hit him in the heart and he's like man you're right like I, I I haven't even noticed it but I do think that's an insecurity in me that I need to to work out so that was one example and then he even called out something in me of like for example I'm thinking back to like my I ton of insecurities um, but a lot of times whenever we would all have an idea of what we wanted to go do as a friend group if they didn't want, if they didn't do what I wanted to do, sometimes I would just make up an excuse and go do something else, instead of just be selfless and say, "Yeah, I'll go hang out with you guys." He called that out to me, and I was like, "Man, I, I am selfish, and I, I should be more selfless in those moments to just do whatever you guys want to do and not have my own way." So that was the first story. Second story is with the core group that I have here at New Song with my guys. Um, one of our buddies, he was talking to someone. Um, and they were just starting to talk, so they were really only a couple weeks in of getting to know each other, and 
he was very frustrated by the way that this person communicated with him, and he felt like he didn't, um, you know, wasn't being honored in this conversation, wasn't being honored in this relationship, and so we started talking it through, and we're saying, well, maybe it's maybe it's just two different people where it's not necessarily a communication issue. Why? What are your expectations in this? And so we started to call that out of him. Of well, my expectations is that we're on the same page, that we're always texting each other, that we're making time for each other. And we're like, slow down. Maybe this could be a control issue that you want to be in control of this. And that pride is getting in the way because you don't have control. It's causing you to stress out. It's causing you to be anxious. It's causing you to just be negative all the time. And we could say that in that moment and him not get defensive because he knew it was coming from a healthy place. His guys that were surrounding him to call that out and he was like, honestly, you guys are probably right. And so we were able to, this took an hour or two, but these are two examples that we were able to see rebuke and calling out and challenging each other, but in a way that helped build each other up and not tear them down, and myself. So, um, I don't know if there's a, okay. Um, but yes, so honesty is huge. And I think if we want to, to have those hard conversations and be able to rebuke, again, that relationship has to be deep first so that whenever that rebuke is said it is received well and not divided yeah can i ask a question or is that yeah. um, uh can we can we go up okay, okay cool we just got a lot of content um so now that we kind of laid the groundwork for uh, vulnerable conversations for going there like talking about the hard things whether that's being honest rebuking being vulnerable i think we need to make an important distinction um between a few things. I know um, my marrieds in the room are you, you guys. <laughs> but it's really easy to uh, be married and be like, man, Ashley and Eric, I got this coveted thing down. Like, lifelong friendship is what I signed up for 10 years ago. We've been married for a while. I don't I don't understand, like I'm living this out. But tonight I want to make a we want to make a distinction between marriage and covenant friendship because uh, while marriage is an example of covenant friendship, what we're talking about tonight is specifically covenant friendship, and it does separate itself out. So I put um, a little chart on here that was also in the book that I just felt like was such a good example. Uh, don't check out if you're not married because I'm going to talk to you next. Um, covenant friendship is same-sex relationship. Marriage is man and woman. Covenant friendship is strictly emotional vulnerability. Marriage is emotional and sexual vulnerability. Covenant friendship moves towards covenant. Marriage is complete and lifelong covenant. Covenant friendship um, balances inclusive and exclusive, and we'll talk about that later. Marriage is completely exclusive. Covenant friendship expects significant sacrifice, but marriage expects lifelong sacrifice. Amen. Um, the gain, and then in covenant friendship and in marriage, we see both where the gain is the relationship itself. So you can see, like, they're very similar, and marriage is still a covenant friendship, but there are some slight distinctions, and I just wanted to clarify, because um, I really feel like it's easy for Marys to feel like you don't need a relationship and people outside of this unit, but you do. And I want to encourage you, um, and even those who aren't in the season yet, but as you think about that season, that it's really important, it is important to prioritize time with each other, but it's also really important to prioritize time outside of the marriage. Um, some ways you can do this are um, scheduling calls with your girls or your guys. I have a girl that I do this with every week. Um, you can go grab coffee. You can go out to lunch. Um, another thing I like to re recommend is treating, like retreating away. 
And what I mean by that is Eric, he has some guys uh, in Kansas City that he loves spending time with. Um, and I know that those friends call out things in him that will make him a better spouse. And so when he asks to go hang out with those friends, of course, we talk about it and make sure there's time in the schedule to do it. But if there is, I'm not going to hold him back from going and being filled up so that when he comes back, I know that our marriage will benefit from it. So um, whether it's for either spouse, I think that's really important. Now, I, you have y'all kids, so I know retreating away isn't um, sometimes the most natural thing when you've got kiddos to take care of. So that might even look like spending time with um, a girl or a guy for three hours on a Saturday where you can get away and be intentional with one another. So it's not going to look exactly like this, but these are just examples to kind of get us thinking. And then for everybody else in the room, I just want you to look at the difference. <laughs> uh, we're not singling you out, I promise. Uh, singling you out. Okay, um, I want us to look on the other side of the chart where we just look at acquaintanceship um, and companionship versus covenant friendship. Um, you don't have to do this in the ver this very moment, but when you can, circle um, maybe where you see some of your friendships falling. And it might be that some of your covenant friendships kind of teeter some of these lines. And so really what I want this to be is a tool to help you see where you're at and see where you can move towards that covenant friendship. Um, and for those in the room who are looking at this saying, I don't feel like my life applies to any of this. I am really discouraged about my friendships. You are in the right place tonight. And I believe this is going to propel you into a life uh, of covenant friendship. And so don't let this be a discouragement, but a tool for you to see, I can do this. And I, um, there are some practical steps that I can take. Um, nothing on this, you're good. <laughs> All right, so one thing that I wanted to point out too is when you get to the spot where you do have these covenant friendships and you want to be able to grow these covenant friendships outside of maybe just those two or three, maybe to that 12 that we see Jesus had, invitation invitation and so my testimony on invitation this is really dope story and i love sharing it so i went from st croix u.s virgin islands small school man 30 kids in my class from first grade to high school knew them well we all loved doing life together it was never really a spiritual walk but just just normal everyday life and so going from 30 kids in my class to edmund santa fe junior year of high school 2400 kids in the high school a freaking crazy like jump like I was nervous as heck my sister was nervous as heck thank God we had each other going into high school and so what we did was when we came and moved to Edmond two weeks before school was starting they let us go into the high school and just walk through the halls figure out where our classes were going to be so that we could get the lay of the land before that first day and just chaos and so we're going through we go into the gym and the only students in the whole high school was the volleyball team girls volleyball getting ready to practice and start the season so my sister played volleyball, and so she wanted to talk to the coach, maybe see if she could try it out. And so we go up there, she talks to the coach, and immediately three girls, London, Kaleo, and Sydney Richardson, come up to me and my sister, introduce themselves, and say, oh, you guys new here, where are you from? We're so excited you guys are here in Edmond, Santa Fe. What are y'all doing on Wednesday? And we're like, well, nothing. And they're like, are you guys wanna to come to youth with us? And we were both like, what's youth? And they said, oh, it's just a fun time where we all get together, play games, have fun, and then, we go into some worship, our youth pastor gives a great message, we go into small groups, and we're like, well, we don't have anything else, and we want to make friends, so let's do it. And so we show up to the parking lot on that Wednesday, August of 2012, and me and my sister are both in the car just nervous to get out, because like, like we don't see Sydney or London or uh, Cleo. And sure enough, Cleo pulls up right next to us, and she's like, get out, come on. And we're like, okay. So we go in there, powerful worship, powerful message, powerful small group, encouraging youth leaders 
gave my life to the Lord that night. And that was all just from a simple invitation. Changed the course of my life just from an invitation. And one thing that I love that they did that taught me about an invitation is this quote. It's also to write it down. Don't be a here I am person. Be a there you are person. A lot of times we just expect people to come to us and approach us saying, oh, I have the Lord put me, put you on my heart or, oh, I want to come hang out with you rather than you taking that initiative and saying, I'm not just going to expect someone to come find me. I'm going to go seek it out. I'm going to go seek out community. I'm going to go seek out some purpose and how I can serve. Um, so basically just don't sit on the side and expect people to do it, but be a seeker, be a finder of people, the one that reaches out first. And that's what I love the new song. Youth, new song, kids, practices all the time, but how can I do that with my whole lifestyle? Whether that's someone at work, or maybe I'm at a, we're at a, someone's birthday party, and we see someone off standing by themselves that doesn't know anybody, I'm going to go meet them and actually get to know them. And you never know, a covenant friendship could be made through that moment, and you can bring them in. And so, um, on the flip side of that, exclusion. Not good. Not, not, not something that Jesus was known for, ex exclusivity, where he's just turning his back. Nah, man, cool kids club, you can't hang with us, bro. For me, that, that honestly, because of my experience, that honestly has become a pet peeve of mine. The people that are too cool to talk to someone or do something. And so I try to, my best to say, all right, how can we avoid exclusivity here? So much so that it's really annoying for Ashley on my birthday. Oh, you guys, oh, thank you. Um, so on that inclusion side, it's funny because it sometimes makes Ashley annoyed because I'm, well, yeah, for my birthdays. She's like, okay, what do you want to do? Who do you want to have there? And I said, whoever wants to come. And she's like, Eric, no, we got to have like a number here so I can help prepare for this. And I was like, but I, if someone wants to come and, and they're not invited, I don't want to be that guy that says, no, you can't come. And so it even got to the point where our wedding I was down for it to be open invite. And she's like, heck no. We can't do that. We're not, we don't have that budget. We compromised. We compromised. We still had a big wedding, but... We were, was, let's just say it was all plastic, silverware, paper yeah. plates. Awesome. You know, we weren't doing anything fancy. Um, but, right, so not being on that exclusion side, because being excluded is a huge factor in being lonely. The moment that you maybe try to branch out and you try to step out of your comfort zone and get to know someone and they're like nah man you can't hang with us yeah. how much that hurts you and jesus was never known for that but on the flip side of that how can we be inclusive but also have healthy boundaries and healthy limits so going back to how jesus modeled it right he had those 12 core disciples and had those three best friends so they always had a life is that a is that a no how can we be no 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 don't sit on the side mm -hmm. Oh yeah, don't don't sit on the side and expect people to approach you. Be the seeker, the finder of people, the one that reaches out first. Be the seeker. Be the seeker. Yep. And then how can we be? I think that's later. I'll just make sure. Yeah. Um, and so when we look at those healthy limits, right? I think it's like looking at how Jesus modeled friendship. He spoke to the thousands, but walked with the few. His core three: Peter, James, and John. Jesus was always about inviting and including people but he did not lose focus of developing those relationships with those closest to him. And because he did that, that allowed them to run together even better and not run away from each other. Yeah. Think about that verse, one can chase 1,000, two can chase 10,000. Because you focus on deepening this friendship with each other, you guys are able to widen that reach for the gospel, which I love. Um, and so we call that open circles. 
right? By deepening relationships with our covenant friends, that widens our reach to pull others in to have a seat at this table of full, free, abundant life. Is that it? Widens. Yeah. What was this one? How can we be blank? Well, okay. Sorry. (laughs) Okay. Um, But I think about those examples, right? Birthdays or events, new song church, um, game nights, right? Campfires, work events, retreats, trips, maybe literally at Men's Retreat. I don't know if you guys were at Men's Retreat. Do you guys get to go? Okay. It was cool. My small group from Men's Retreat. So Michael Osby, if you don't know Michael, he's really big on like Instagram, you know, fitness guy, you know, wanted to, to promote um, healthy lifestyle, living spiritually and physically. But he posted something on Instagram and a random kid from Guthrie was following him and had been walking through months and months of loneliness. He had broken up with a girlfriend. That's the only real relationship he had. And he was working 80 hours a week. He would just work, go to the gym, go home, go to bed. He's done that for months. And he Instagrammed Michael and was like, man, I've just really been struggling the last few months. Could you be praying for me? And so Michael was like, what are you doing on Friday? And he invited him to the men's retreat. So he was in our small group at men's retreat. Yep. And so that's an example of Michael, even though like he's been in youth with us. And I wouldn't say he's one of my covenant friends, but a close friend. He was able to pull this guy in to men's retreat. And the very first small group at nine in the morning, we're just sharing what God's been doing in us. And this kid just breaking down crying. And he's 21 years old. He's pretty yoked, like from the outside. You'd like, oh, he's strong. You know, he's got it together. He's in a good spot. And then crying like a baby. He's broken. He's alone. And so what I love that like these moments that we can pull somebody in um, and it takes work to add someone new. You got to start from that ground up, ask them questions, get to know them. But healthy friendships don't fear the work. Mm-hmm. We know that we are blessed in order to bless. Like if I got that invitation from those three high school girls to youth on that Wednesday, who am I to deny that from somebody else? Wow. And so how that changed my life, how I can change someone else's, or God's changed them through me. And what's cool about that is Michael inviting him to New Song Men's Retreat and how many guys are doing healthy friendship, covenant friendship. He could introduce that kid to me and be able for me to talk to that kid. And Michael could just leave the conversation and know that this kid is going to be well-loved, ask great questions, be encouraged, challenged, prayed for. And it's such a healthy feeling to know when we talk about kingdom community, that's what that looks like. Where I can bring in someone brand new and introduce them to Pastor Jackson and just say, get to know each other. I'm about to go find someone else. And it's such a good thing to know, like, this is how villages work. This is how kingdom community works. And so there's just different examples that you guys can be inviting and including others. That could be, as we said, just reaching out through a text message, uh, a phone call, a follow-up text. How many people know, like for me, I struggle with follow-up. I want to be able to be better at follow-up and saying like, hey man, hopefully it was a great time sitting with you in service today. You know, we'd love to grab coffee or see you again on Wednesday or Sunday. Going and serving, um, introducing new friends to those friends. If you're having maybe a small group and you want to invite someone, always having an extra chair just in case someone's new and you don't feel like, oh, new person's here, we got to go find a chair. Basically planning for that. Um, So invitation, man, living a life of invitation. All right, bear with us. We've got um, a chunk of stuff to still go through, so we're going to get through it. Um, uh, The next topic we really want to go through is forgiveness because, um, Mm. man, I feel like forgiveness is not talked about enough. 
relationship. I think it's like the, the stepsister. We don't always hear about it, but it's important that we talk about it because the truth is, is that friendship can and will hurt you at some point. And I think that was one of y'all's um, points tonight. The friendship can and will hurt you uh, at some point. In today's culture, if you mess up or if you do something wrong or if you hurt your friend, you are canceled. People would much rather drop you, say this friendship's too hard, I'm gonna look for something different because this is gonna be too much work, rather than looking at the situation and saying, you know what, I'm gonna go through the work, I'm gonna discuss this in person with you and we're gonna come to a place where we can forgive one another. So I wanna go uh, back to what we talked about earlier, remember when we all said we were sinners? Mm-hmm. Don't forget your friends are sinners too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't forget that they're sinners too, this should stop um, if we can hold on to this, this should stop us from being so surprised when our friends hurt us too. How many of us have been hurt by a friend and we're like, I can't believe they did that, mm-hmm. right? Everyone in this room has probably said something along those lines because it hurts. Like, that's the reality. And um, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So guess, this, guess what this means? Being friends with sinners is our only option. So how do we handle... The fact that being friends with sinners is our only option. Like, how do we manage that? Because we will experience pain at some point. Did you guys get those? You feeling good? Yes, yes. Okay, if not, I'll help you after class, too. Um, okay, so the first point that I want to hit on is practicing forgiveness. Um, how can we handle this truth? We must practice forgiveness. I believe forgiveness is as much for us as it is for others. Um, Matthew 18 uh uh, is a parable about the king who forgives the debtor, right? He's begging for forgiveness. The king forgives him. And then this man goes and finds someone else to blame and asks them to owe him back on all this, uh, on all their debts. He didn't realize that he had been forgiven. He didn't realize what had been given to him. And one of the most beautiful reasons we forgive is because we can experience, um, re-experience what God has forgiven us of. Um, and so we want to practice forgiveness. It's not that we don't acknowledge that someone has hurt us. It's not that we ignore that there might be some pain there, but we don't hold on to it. We don't inflict pain on other people. Instead, we get to bear their burden. Um, the next point is practicing apology. I also think this is in your notes, but I don't think there's a fill in. Um, sounds a little weird to practice apology, but I think it's good for us because if we know how to give an apology, forgiveness won't be so difficult. <laughs> it gives us a little bit more of a buffer. So you can invite somebody to go to coffee, reaching out to them, and going to a space that's quiet. The most important thing, I think, in practicing apology is, it's not even just I think, I know, it's the most important, is seeking divine guidance. Make sure you're praying, asking the Lord, you know, reveal those areas of my life where pride is deeply rooted and where it's going to be really hard for me to convey um, and ask for forgiveness. Reveal to me, pray over what you want, um, what the Lord wants to do in that conversation, and then prepare. Practice the apology. I say, like, if you have a mirror, if you have a mentor, if you have another, maybe not another friend, but someone that you feel trustworthy with, or a wall, whatever it might be, practice that. Because a lot of times, what we're feeling in here and up here don't match. And so we want to watch our tone, the way we communicate, so that the Lord would be glorified even through that conversation of forgiveness. And then step forward with courage. Do it. Go and do it, and do it sincerely and honestly. Um, and the last point um, that I want to hit in how we handle this truth is embrace grace instead of chasing perfection. Um, grace is a much better foundation for our relationships than perfection because um, when we're striving for, for perfection, we're always going to feel let down. Um, grace frees us. It doesn't only free us, but it frees the other person where we can both come to the table knowing that we're both deeply flawed and we can have grace for one another. I also love that someone pizza. 
Um, I also love that analogy of sometimes when we're holding on to unforgiveness and bitterness, it's almost as if like you're waiting. When you're waiting to forgive someone, you're waiting to take the key and unlock them out of prison. And then when you finally do forgive them and you unlock them out of prison, you realize you're only unlocking yourself out of that prison. Wow. So it's mutual, which I love. I love That's that picture. Um, grace changes our expectations. It um, helps us reshape uh, how our expectations are unhealthy expectations of others. You know, when we say like, oh, I can't believe they hurt me. Like it, it, may, it may be true, but it also may come from a place that you had a way unhealthy expectation of that person and they are not perfect, they will fail you. So it helps us reshape that. And then of course, grace conforms us into the image of Christ, being more and more like Jesus allows us to be more and more like a friend um, to others. Um, I feel like this one needs to be hit. Uh, okay, so along with that, I want to hit on another area that I feel like many of us walk through, um, but it's also often not talked about, and that is the nature of losing and leaving friendships. And those, that can be kind of uncomfortable to talk about, but I think about it. We as humans lose things, right? Like sometimes in the morning we're getting ready for work, we can't find our keys. Oh no, we lost our keys. Uh, we lose uh, games, we lose jobs, we lose loved ones, and we naturally lose friendships. The fact of the matter is, is that we're human and we're limited, and we can't carry everything in our hands. So whether that might be losing a friend because of distance, maybe um, for students, like maybe you go to a new school and you don't have that same connection that you once did with a friend at an old school, or maybe um, you're moving to another state for a job and distance has naturally created um, a space between you and your friend. Or maybe you're just in different callings and the season that you're in doesn't allow you the space to connect with that person like you once did. I want us all to like take a deep breath, and let it out because we're all in that space we all have felt guilt or shame that maybe we have lost a friend but we don't need to feel that like that is a very natural thing and so we can mourn it um, and it's good to mourn that but don't allow it to be a weight on your shoulders um, the questions of you know should I have reached out more what could I have done differently you need to forgive yourself you don't need to carry that weight and then the other side is leaving friendships. And this one is a much trickier subject because a lot of times this deals with our sin and our shortcomings. And um, I'm gonna tread this one lightly because I feel like um, this one can be a pain point for many, but sometimes you have friends um, that are clinging to addiction and are not finding help. Or maybe you have a friend that is not only hurting themselves, not only hurting you, but they're hurting others. And there could be a lot of different circumstances that fall into this point. Um, but what we sometimes have to do is humble ourselves and realize that we cannot fix that friend and that the Holy Spirit has to do an inner working in our life. So we talk about becoming more and more like Jesus, which is true, we should become more and more like Jesus, but the fact of the matter is, is that we aren't like Jesus. And reconciliation should always be your first choice. You should always try to reconcile that relationship. But at some point you have to say, Holy Spirit, I give this friendship to you continue to pray and never speak poorly of that person, you know, do them well, but the, ra the reality is, is that sometimes we lose and leave friends. Um, but the hope, I wanna talk about this because I feel like there's so much hope, is that if these friends are believers, we can rejoice and that one day we're gonna see them again in heaven. Like the eternal perspective is that we will be connected with them again. So even if it's not in this moment where, where we're having this moment where we feel disconnected, that's not, eternally, that's not what it's gonna look like. And so there, in a weird way, that is a hope that we can cling to when we are walking through those unique seasons of loss. Yeah. Um, I, I, think, I think that's powerful. 
being able to just walk through forgiveness and how to walk through losing friendships, leaving friendships, because it's going to happen to all of us at some point. Um, and I think part of that too is, is as we go into the next point, geography, right? Where we live, where we are. I think for me, it's very easy to, to go from St. Croix to Edmond to Stillwater to Tulsa, and I've developed all of these phenomenal friendships, and although I want to keep up with them, and to do that through phone calls, Zoom calls, text messages, that is awesome. I want to keep that. But being in person, there's something about being in person with people that are here where you're currently at in Oklahoma City. Um, and I think about um, we may have moved. So some of us may have moved to Oklahoma City and our best friends are in those other cities. Um, but finding covenant friends here. So that's why joining a core group, finding your own small group, whether that's somebody at work, having those friends that are currently here, they can walk with you in this current season. Um, I love that saying of it takes a village, right? And that village is where you live. It's where you currently are. And what I love is that picture of like, when you have a village and you have a major life decision to make, a new job or potential spouse or um, finances or kids, right? These are big changes, big decisions. You don't want to make them alone because a lot of times you're, you're, you, you don't know everything and you want to be able to invite that community in to help make those decisions as well. And you can't properly care for your family unless you are caring for those friendships. And so having, making that a priority to look for um, having them over constantly, you know, going out to eat, you know, living close to church, claim a sacred space for gatherings. I love that last piece, claim sacred space for gatherings. What is one spot, like a picture when I was a kid, it was like out in front of our house was the street light with the big generator transformer box thing. And that was the meeting spot. You know, if we wanted to like play tag or just hang out, play volleyball or whatever, what can that be for your covenant friends here? Where's someone spot that you guys go to? And in the book that we read, they did, they, these, it's crazy. These 12 covenant friends, they got together and they bought like a 10 acre property in the middle of nowhere, like in the city that they live, I think it's in Virginia. And they would go there for family nights, for campfires, for just to gather around and just talk to the end of the night. And if they ever had a group text going and something was said or some feelings got hurt or maybe there was a controversial topic and people were starting to argue about it a little bit too much in the text, they would send a, a campfire emoji. Basically saying, this means we gotta go to our sacred place and talk this out. We can't do this through text. And I love that picture. So for geography, whenever you guys have these covenant friendships, to be able to have the sacred space or to find those people here that you can go see regularly is, is special. Um, but kind of leading into the next point, so this is a, so time. So one thing that I love, uh, this story that they shared, um, it was a story of a group of sailors in London, in England, in 1914, and they wanted to voyage to Antarctica and walk across the continent, something that no human had ever done before. And they prepped for the voyage, they set sail, they end up going to Antarctica, and it was like a few years where it was like abnormally cold to the point where they, their ship froze like in the water two miles from the coast. And so they were stuck there with no chance of getting out. Radio didn't work because it was almost brand new and it wasn't functioning well. And luckily they had enough food, but to be stuck with no way of getting out it can be chaos, it can lead to mutiny, it can lead to panic. And so they ended up all surviving for two whole years, being stuck down there. 
And how did they do it? They developed rhythms of journaling, a rhythm of reading, a rhythm of eating meals together, and other simple communal habits where that dividing line between companionship and mutiny, consciousness and insanity, life and death. Essentially, their ability to hold these patterns saved their lives. And it's crazy to think about a schedule, time. Yeah. It's a commodity that we all have the same amount of. It doesn't matter how much money you have, how much your, what your abilities are, whatever that might be, we all have the same amount of time. The only question is, how are we utilizing it? Yeah. I love what my youth pastor said. He said, it's really not a matter when people say I'm busy, the life is full. And he said, it's really not a matter of having enough time. It's really a matter of what's important to you. What are your priorities? And with that, a lot of times, um, I, picture, I picture the pandemic, man, the COVID pandemic, where we were quarantining, we were alone. That tied a lot into that stat right now. 60% of United States citizens consider themselves lonely and isolating themselves. And I love this quote, isolation is just as dangerous to the soul as sickness is to the body. I think that's one of the notes. Isolation is just as dangerous to the soul as sickness is to the body. We don't realize how much we need encouraging conversations with friends. So prioritize that. And I know it may look different with being a high school student, middle school student, uh, a working single, married couple with kids, but trying to figure out with a schedule, how can we incorporate this time with these covenant friendships? So that's an hour for coffee before work, uh, a lunch on a Tuesday, uh, maybe it's you know guys night on a Thursday night, or maybe it's you, know, you get babysitter for the kids and it's couples, core group, couples group on a Saturday night. Whatever that looks like, being able to prioritize that time. And I love this quote too, I don't know if it's in there as well. But it says, friendship is as urgent as it is important. So it should be scheduled as a way of prioritizing it over the demands of life. And that fight for friendship starts with the fight for time. And I love that. Time is the currency of purpose. We all have that same amount, but how are we using it, utilizing it? Um, and so again, just I think other examples that fire pits, porch nights, hoop sessions, check-in calls, sleepovers, get-togethers, retreats, dinners, lunches, you name it. Having a schedule helps you get better at saying no to the tyranny of the urgent so you can say yes to what is really important, cultivating a life of friendship. Urgent was that last one? Yes, urgent. the schedule helps tyranny. you get better at saying no to the tyranny of the urgent so you can say yes to what is really important, cultivating a life of friendship. And man, and I think about, what was you got and can I be real with you guys? I think about me and Ashley, our marriage, the friendships that we've been able to have, the mentors. Just either God has blessed us so much because we've recently had to walk through a parent getting divorced. We had to walk through both of us being unemployed for four months where we had to live off of credit cards. We've had to walk through quite a few challenging things in life. And had we not had this kingdom community, have we not had these friendships? Obviously, the Lord is always going to be there. He's always faithful. But to be walking in this village made all of those hard valleys so much brighter, so much easier to walk through because we had each other. And we were able to do that and grow stronger together. And I want that for you guys, too. To whenever you face hell, that you don't have to fall. That you can, you can walk through it holding each other's hands on each other's shoulders and get out of that valley and be able to praise God for him carrying you through that with kingdom community. So that was kind of off topic, but it's real. Um, 
And so I think uh, just going back to communication, technology, right? Like technology in itself is not bad, right? It was God created us to be able to be creative, to invent. And we've been able to invent some great things like picture cars, right? We God created us to create cars, be able to travel, to see places, to go places quicker. Um, but how many of us know we're flawed humans? We can get selfish. We can get prideful, we can maybe drive too fast, we can maybe just care about what kind of car we have, and it can lead to some dangerous outcomes. Same way technology, right? Technology was designed for us to be able to connect. Um, it's not a bad tool, it's a, it's a good tool and a resource. Um, it should be used to support friendships, to share the gospel, to connect people who are unable to meet in person, to update family and friends on life. Um, but a lot of times, we use technology to compare. We use technology to divide, to yeah. compete, to gossip, to argue, to hurt others, to fake what we're really going through. And that's where we have to really understand, okay, if that's where my mind is going when it comes to technology, what do I need to cut out? What do I need to change? Whether that's a time limit on your phone on a certain app, whether that's deleting or unfollowing certain people, maybe that's cutting out a subscription that you know is not healthy. The promise of social media is that you are seen and liked but the promise of covenant friendship is to be fully known and fully loved. And those two are very, very different. Yeah, so and I love what this, this uh, he said it in this book. The internet and smartphones are fantastic for connections, to communicate, and for knowledge. But you must understand that followers and connections are not true friends. Communication is not intimacy. And knowledge is not wisdom. There's something about this being in person. You know, a Zoom call, a phone call, a text is solid. But in person is the priority. And he goes back to Jesus being with his disciples. Those campfires, man. He just kept hitting on those campfires. And what I love is that he emphasizes the ability to create memories. And that's neat. I'm a big experience guy. Like, I love the vibe. I love the, 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 the ability to just remember, right? I want to be nostalgic and remember those times. And what I love is he uses the example of Peter, right? He just denied Jesus three times. How many of us know Peter would be pretty discouraged, pretty depressed, pretty traumatized because of what he just did, and he's out there fishing, and Jesus shows up on the, on the beach, and Peter recognizes that it's Jesus. He swims to Jesus, and it's cool because it says that, that Jesus was had a campfire going, and he was cooking fish, right? And so experiences the five senses, smell, smelling the fish. He could see the fire. He could hear the crackle. He could hear Jesus speaking. He was able to hug Jesus and talk to him. All of the five senses are going here. And then Jesus in this conversation challenges Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? Yes. Yeah, of course I love you, Jesus. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Jesus, I get it. I love you. Three times he asked him. Three times he denied him. Jesus was trying to overcome that memory of trauma with a new memory, a new experience where he can remember that moment with Jesus and not when he denied it. And so I love that, that memory. And so spending time with our covenant friends and our family to be intentional about creating those lasting moments, to call them out when they're happening. For me and Ashley, whenever we're having a great conversation or we're on a fun date night or we're going maybe on a fun trip, I'll always like go like, this is cool. Click. I wanna remember this. I wanna go back to this moment. And so I think about just normal examples every day. So campfire conversations with our covenant friends back in college, me and Ashley love to go run together, running at Lake Hefner, watching the sunset, 
when I'm rolling up to the airport to pick up my sister and I'm just loud, loud, blasting loud, obnoxious music, or my best friends, my best friends that were praying over me when I got the call that my grandpa had passed away, playing board games with our game night group, all of these little everyday ordinary moments. But because of that, those moments, holding on to them, they become extraordinary. <coughs> and I love that, that I'm able to go back and look. I won't remember the words that we said. I won't remember all the words of that book that I read. I won't remember, you know, what we were wearing. All I remember is how did we feel? I felt encouraged. I felt uplifted. I felt challenged. I felt together. I felt unified. I didn't feel alone. And that, in my mind, is kingdom community. So as we wrap up, uh, I know we've got a couple minutes. Um, I just wanted us to remember that whenever we are called to worship Jesus, not just on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning, but we're called to worship Jesus with our entire lives. And being in kingdom community is worshiping Jesus with your life. Again, we go back to Jesus. He was the example. He was the model. He was the friend that we were called to emulate. Um, and so if God's word, if scripture and freaking Harvard understood that relationships are the currency of life, that key to a healthy and prosperous life, let us not get caught up in that current of loneliness that the enemy so easily convinces so many to flow down and let us swim upstream together in that wonderful, abundant life we've been called to together. And I know this is cheesy, but this is a quote that I, I, I will always think about when I think about community and the impact that it has on us. So it goes like this. Where we go, we go together. There has never been a mountain that is not taller when climbed alone, nor has there ever been a summit that is not sweeter when seen with shared sight. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. We're picking up the fallen down. We're cheering on the fading heart. We're carrying on open shoulders, whoever's turn it is to be broken down. I will always be better beside my brothers. I will always be stronger standing with my sisters. And I refuse to lower my standards to be satisfied with such a short sprint that I'd be able to pull it off on my own. Together, we're much more than the sum of our parts. Together, we're much more than the sum of our hearts. Together, our hearts magnify and multiply, making our love grow strong, making our patience grow long, making our passion not stop short at just a spark, but together, we start the wildfire that no single one of us could ever claim to start. Come bring your blood, sweat, and tears, your doubts and fears, Trade them in for a glory too great for our hands to hold alone. I can feel my heart beating my chest, tapping out in Morse code. You were made for this. You were always made for more than only the hope that your heart can hold. You were never meant for less than standing hand in hand. And if I fall, I know you have my back because heaven has our hearts. Wherever we go, we go together. We've never been better than when we're together. Kingdom community. That's so good. That's awesome. Uh, so I want to honor your time and as well as some kids in the classroom. So we're going to pray it out. And then I would like to have any questions, yes. questions. We're always here to Absolutely. Uh, Lord, we thank you <coughs> so much for tonight. Father, I thank you for a space that we could gather together to talk about um, your desire for kingdom, covenant, friendship. Father, I pray that as we leave this space tonight, Father, that we would not... Um, grow weary or be discouraged, but Father, we would be uh, have the feeling of just being propelled into the season of covenant friendship. Father, wherever we might land in this time, God, I just thank you that you are uplifting our spirits and that we leave feeling encouraged and challenged. And Jesus, I just pray that above all, you would be glorified, that our lives would look more and more like a friend because you sent Jesus to look more and more yeah. like a friend for us. 
And so, Lord, we just, we, we worship you tonight. We thank you for all that you've done in this space. And we, um, we just pray over our church. We pray over uh, this room, Father, that as these people leave um, and as our church hears about community, God, that there would be a fire in our souls to be connected to the body of Christ and to other believers and to cultivate vulnerability, Father, to cultivate forgiveness, um, to work in, in, in tandem with honesty with one another. Father, I just thank you for the fire and the passion to run after covenant friendships. Lord, we thank you. We honor you tonight, Lord, that you would be glorified above all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.